Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Explain what we've been doing over the last while for the number of visitors we've been journeying, you'll see these, these words that are on the wall. And what we've decided as a church, and particularly over these last 12 weeks, we've been teaching each of these. We've decided as a church, we've recognized as we've read the Gospels, that these have been, in the life of Jesus, these have been his practices and his habits, his disciplines that we see in his life, that we've just decided that we want to commit ourselves as a people to try and live out, um, to try and live as followers of Christ. And today what we're going to be doing, I'm going to be starting, so between this week and next week, we're going to be looking at our final practice, which is the practice of discipleship, and you'll see that on the wall. The very essence of discipleship, it's, while it's the final practice that we're going to be looking at, it's the one that kind of holds everything together. It's not that we're saying that it's the same as the others, but it's the very reason why we would do all the other practices as well. You know that as a church as well, over the last number of months, we decided we landed on terms of what we understand even by the word discipleship, because that means different things to different people. And so this was the definition that we simply came up with that we were saying as a church, we wanted to step into. Discipleship was following Jesus in all of life. And one of the things I just want to say this morning is this. There's a big difference between what we understand by discipleship and even in terms of what we understand by what we look and see in culture, even by the word Christian. There shouldn't be a difference, but sadly there is. As we look around the world, many people who would call themselves Christian maybe aren't living into the ways of Jesus aren't representing Jesus that well. Actually, as we read the Bible, the word Christian is only ever mentioned three times. The word disciple is mentioned 269 times in the Bible. And it shows the significance of what actually Jesus is calling us as the church to step into, that it's much more than just simply trying to say, oh, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, even though that in itself is massive, but to actually say, I'm a disciple. I'm someone who's desiring to follow Jesus with with all of my life. And so th- this, this is what we've decided that we wanted to do. You, for those who have been part of our church as we've taught through this, when we came to teach on the second practice of creativity, we, we recognized that there were many people who looked at the word and said, well, I don't feel very creative. But yet what we said that day, and this was the thing that was very important for us to grasp, was that in Genesis 2, God says actually that all of us as human beings, we were created in the image of God. So we use this word, we are image bearers. We were those that were created to reflect Jesus to the world. We were those that were created to reflect God to the world. As people look at the followers of God, they should see God in our lives. We should be those that reflect him to everyone around us. And yet, while it says that in Genesis 2, in his image, he created them, male and female, he created them. In Genesis chapter 3, we're introduced to the next part of the story that introduces about how sin came into the world. And so instead of being those that reflect Jesus and live to follow Jesus, as we're saying our definition of discipleship is, many, many of us, self-included sometimes, we just seem to just live for ourselves. We sometimes decide to do our own thing and we can follow our own ways instead of following what God is calling us to do. And the very essence and understanding of this is because even as we look at the meaning of the word sin, this is a mentioned this a couple of times in church, but within Grow, if you've done Grow, I mention this every time we teach within Grow in one of the modules. But the very essence, so in, in the New Testament, one of the words that's used for sin, the Greek word is this word, hamartia, 
we, we some people in the room this morning that love golf. They love playing golf. And uh, I'm rubbish at golf. And, uh, and many times, when I've, I've, not many times, I've only been out like two or three times, but each time when I'm out, it seems to be that I, I can't swing a club properly, right? And, uh, well, I can swing it, but it just doesn't hit anything, right? Usually it has a bit of error. And when it connects with the ball, what usually happens is you either slice it or you hook it and it goes off wayward instead of going straight down the middle. And you know that if you're out on a golf course and the golf ball's going a wall, there's a word that's always shouted. Can I know who can tell me? Four, right, we always shout this four, and you know that if you hear that word being shouted in a golf course, you're quickly going cover, because you know that there's a golf ball that could potentially could whack you in the head, right, so you're, you're ducking down. What actually happened was, in around the time of the New Testament, this word, hamartia, was used, was a term that was used in archery, and so what would have happened as the archer was aiming at the target, if the arrow was completely missing the target, so not just to do about whether it was hitting bullseye, but if it was completely missing the target, they would shout this word, Hamardia. I probably didn't sound in a Largan accent like that, but you can get, you get what I mean, right? They shouted this word, and what happened, it was the very exact thing, almost like golf. People knew that this arrow was missing the target. The arrow was going AWOL, so you made sure that you were not walking behind it at that stage, but they would shout it, it's missing the target. God, this is the thing that's so important. God as a father and God as a God who created you, God created you with purpose and destiny upon your life. God created you to live life in the fullest way possible. And God had great plans and still does for all of our lives. But what happens is because of sin, Instead of hitting the best that God has for us, you see, this is why God has given directions for us in our life, not to try and restrict us, but so that we can hit the best of what he has for us. There is a best that God has for each person in this room. And so what happens is sin, because we live in a fallen world and because there's sin that is around us and sin that is, that is active sometimes in our lives, what happens is that sin causes us to miss the mark. It causes us to miss the best of what God has for us each and every day. But this is the beautiful thing. When Jesus came, and we've celebrated it this morning by breaking bread, when Jesus came and died on the cross, and Jesus paid the price and the penalty for sin, and he shed his blood for us, what we need to recognize is that Jesus came and redeemed and restored all things. The Bible says this. He's redeemed. He's reconciled all things under the Father, as we have been redeemed, what has actually happened is that Jesus just hasn't paid the price for our sins so that we can be with him one day in heaven. Jesus has redeemed and restored us so that we can step back into what you were always designed to be. You're designed to be in relationship with God. You were designed to be someone who reflected his image. You were someone who was designed to live fully, a full life here on earth. And this is the beautiful thing. This is what Jesus restores to us. And Jesus has led the way in us. And in fact, actually, this is what it says. You know this verse that we've used. People in our church know we've been reading this quite a bit at the beginning of this series. But in Romans chapter 8, this is the message version. It says this, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. So we see Jesus there we see our original intention. And this is the beautiful thing. If I was paraphrasing, there's a beautiful passage in Philippians 2, but it actually says this about Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, he didn't, he didn't think of equality with God, something to cling or to hold on to, but it says he humbled himself. And Jesus, it says at this point, he actually took on flesh. Jesus became human being. 
Jesus became like us. This is the thing that we need to recognize is that Jesus lived on this earth fully, 100% as a human being. And when Jesus was here as a human being, what Jesus did was Jesus showed it that it was possible to live a life that lived into the fullness of God. Jesus lived a perfect life. And what actually happened is that Jesus, when he was calling disciples, and this is what Jesus calls us today, or disciples, this is the word that was spoken, was the word to crawl and to cry, follow me. When Jesus first called the 12 disciples, this was the word that was spoken, follow me. It was used by rabbis in the day, in the New Testament, in the time of the scriptures being written. And Jesus uses this word, this rabbinical word, and he calls out to these fishermen that no one saw any worth in. And Jesus says, follow me. And this is what Jesus is still speaking to disciples here today. So we, this is what I need you to get. If you're someone that's saying you believe in Jesus and you're, you're calling yourself a Christian, then you are a disciple today. And this is what Jesus has done. Jesus has humbled himself and has given up his right of, of divinity, at that, of, of equality with God. Didn't think of equality with God, something to, to hold on to. And to, but yet he humbled himself and he came and he took on flesh. And Jesus now, as he humbles himself, what Jesus did was Jesus started to live out a life Jesus went ahead of us, and Jesus lived this life firstly for us, and this is now what he says to every disciple, and what he says today, follow me. I've gone ahead. Now I want you to follow me. I've shown you the possibilities. I've shown you the way to be able to live. Now I want you to follow me. Now I want you to come after me. So in the room this morning, if you're a believer, if you're calling yourself a disciple, this is what Jesus is saying, follow me. Look at what I am doing. Look at how I've done things. Look at my ways. Follow me. This is why we're going to be laboring on this verse in the new year for quite a bit. But this is why Jesus says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, firstly, that he was the way. There was a way that Jesus lived his life. And so for us, this is why, as we spent time over the last number of weeks teaching in these practices, we're saying that we've been looking at his ways. What are the ways of Christ? And this morning we're going to be asking, how do we actually live into this? How do we look at Jesus and the things that he's done, as he's gone ahead of us? How do we actually follow? Because here's the reality. It's hard, isn't it? If you're a Christian in the room this morning, it's not always easy. But sometimes we can look and we can see the life of Christ and we want to live into it. It's not always easy. And so firstly, it takes us to be intentional about this. It's much more than just simply saying a prayer. The moment that we began our walk and our journey with Jesus, it was great that we had that moment. But it's much more than just a prayer. There's an intentionality of God every day. I want to try my best to live my life for you. Actually, this is one of the meanings and understandings of repentance. While repentance means we say sorry and we acknowledge the wrong in our life before God. One of the Greek words for repentance is this metanoia, and it means reversal of decision, that we start to think differently we start to agree with God. And here's the very thing that Jesus would say, be perfect like I am perfect. Matthew 5, Jesus is saying that he believes that it is possible for us to start to live a life that reflects him and to live like him. In our church, so for any visitors in the room, each time we did these practices, we sent out a questionnaire on each of them to the church so that we could see the views and the, what was going on in the life of the church. And so one of the questions that was asked on this verse and this questionnaire of discipleship was this. It said, living a life of a disciple means that we can become like Jesus. Be perfect like I am perfect. We asked this question, do you think you can live like Jesus? And the reality was, it said, the answer is here, 27% strongly agreed. They, they fully believed they were able to. 58% agreed and 14% disagreed. 
and another 1% strongly disagreed. And it was, it was great in an initial reflection, so looking at this, 58% of people said that they agreed with this, that they could live a life like Jesus. But one of the things, it just pr- probably over the last two or three days, I just started to really reflect on this, and I started to ask myself this, and I wasn't asking this in a critical way, I wasn't asking this in a judging way, because I, I recognize and understand probably why people are in these categories, but I started to ask this, I wonder why for, the, for whatever it was, the 58% that agreed, I wonder, I wonder what was it that stopped them from going into the, strongly, into the strongly agree category? I wonder what was it for some of the people that said that they, they disagreed or I wonder what it was. I wasn't asking that in a judging way. I wasn't reflecting that in a critical way. But I was starting to ask, I wonder what is it that actually stopped people from thinking that they fully could try to step into a more Jesus-shaped life in this way? And one of the realities is this. For many and self-included, there's many times when we've tried to live a life for Jesus, and we've just not got it right. There's been some struggles in your life that it just feels like that there's times where there are areas of your life where there's just there's been weakness, and that's led to failure, and you've tried. And perhaps even at points in your life, you've got a point where it's just like, it's almost like it's too hard. You just feel in certain aspects of your life that it's almost like, oh, it's just not worth trying. And so when I see things like this, I don't think that it's because people don't want to or aren't desiring it, but I think that sometimes we don't actually believe that it's possible for us to live a life that's fully shaped in the life of Jesus. And as Jesus speaks into this, this is what I, where I really wanted to land today, just for 10 minutes, and then we'll close up just with a couple of things to reflect. Jesus is saying, like, and I need to be, I need to be clear about this, Jesus is the name that's above every other name. While he was fully God, he was, or fully man, he was fully God as well. Right? We, we are, but yet Jesus believes that this is why he's spoken it to us. He says his words, be perfect, like I am perfect. Jesus believes that he wants us to start living a life that reflects all of his ways. But the reality is none of us are perfect. None of us are. And so as Jesus says, follow me, perhaps in my head and perhaps in your head, the reality of that almost feels like it's impossible. Jesus, it feels like you've just asked us to do something that's just way too hard. And the reality is, Jesus, as he asks us to do this, Jesus promises two things. I don't have the first one on the screen because it only came to me during the first service. But Jesus says this. Do you know in the Great Commission, Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then this is his promise. He says, and know this, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you. You're not on your own when you do this. But the second thing that Jesus promises, and this is where I really want us to focus and land this morning, is this. Jesus has promised us for all who believe. Jesus has promised us the helper. Jesus has promised us that the Holy Spirit would be with us. And here's the thing. Jesus, when he talks about the Holy Spirit, we're going to read this in the book of John. These are the words of Christ. These are not our words this morning as a church. These are the words of Jesus, the Messiah. This is what Jesus calls and the name that he gives to the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. He also says this in John 15, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. In John 16, he says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper 
The Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Paul even says this in the book of Romans. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. And so Jesus says this word, and listen, this, this might seem simple, but yet this is one of the things that I think, I think we just need to strongly remind ourselves this morning as followers of Jesus. You are not doing this in your own strength. And time and time again, when you've tried to follow Jesus in your own strength, you've maybe not been able to do it. And the reality is, is that Jesus has said, we don't need to do this on our own. Yes, we still need to be intentional. We still need to make decisions. There's still responsibilities for us. But Jesus has promised us this. The helper, the Holy Spirit will be with you as you go through this. And here's the reality. You see, in Galatians chapter 5, we're actually told us the fruit of the Spirit or the result, that is, of the Spirit being in your life. Here's the words that are spoken about the helper. The fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. So here's some of the things that the Holy Spirit helps us in. As we, as we invite the Holy Spirit and we invite His help every day, here's some of the things that start to more naturally start to produce in our life. One of the things I want to say just to our own guys here in church, you know that we've, we've enjoyed moments over the last number of weeks. In Sunday nights, we've been trying to intentionally create a bit more space. People have engaged and encountered the Lord in different ways, and, and the Holy Spirit has, has revealed himself in different ways to different people. And do you know what? One of the things that can so easily happen, and hear me in this, one of the dangers about charismatic Pentecostal churches like our own is that sometimes we can, we can place this as the pinnacle, these moments in the Sunday nights. We can say, so this is what we're living for. We're living for the Sunday night buzz, and then we just get on with our lives the rest of the week. And the reality is, is that the Holy Spirit, the helpers there to engage with you and to encounter you every living second of every single day of your life. It's not just about those, those moments that we have. It's not to downplay them in some beautiful times. But if that's, what you're, if that's what you're living for is an encounter in that way, we're missing, we're missing the mark as disciples. We're missing everything, missing everything that Jesus has promised us to be able to step fully into this. And so when it comes to this, this is what I'd be really encouraging you to do. There's many of these things that as, you, as they appear in your life, this is the significance of being able to just pray in that moment at that time and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. So as we go through this, there's just three words. That obviously, there's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits, it's fruit, but it's, it's, it's one package together. But here's some of the different things that the Spirit produces in our life. And I could talk on all of them, but I just wanted to briefly mention three of them that I just feel I wanted to land today and just speak into. But this is what it says, the fruit or the result of the Spirit, the helper being in your life. The first one is this, love. Jesus actually said this. He says, by this, may all men know that, that you're mine, that you love one another. Do you ever recognize that sometimes it's just really hard to love some people? There's some people in your life that maybe there's been a relationship breakdown. You just aren't in speaking terms. It might be a friend. It might be a family member. And so this is why I, I, I recognize that there's different reasons for that. I'm not downplaying the significance of that this morning. But yet one of the things that Jesus speaks into it this morning is that 
Actually, firstly, as a people, we need to be a forgiving people. We need to be a forgiving people, and we need to be a loving people. And so, in terms of that, if you're struggling in a, in a relationship dynamic with someone where you just, it's a struggle to just be able to say you love in that sense, don't, don't always try it on your own. What I would love to encourage you to do is to invite and ask the help of the helper. This is why Jesus says he's been given to us. The other thing, it's just more than anything though this morning, I wanted to speak to married couples in the room. I felt just when I was preparing this this week. There, there's been several times just with different couples over the last year, couples just when, there, when there's been difficulties, people that we've been journeying with pastorally, where there's been issues where it's just been a struggle. It just feels like the love's starting to wane. People stand at the front of the church on their wedding day and they love one another, and that's great. And it's easy to say it in a moment. <laughs> you know, I love you, and it's great. We're going to commit for the rest of our lives. And then life happens, and there's difficulties. And sometimes the love feels like it starts to wane. And a lot of people are able to work through and journey, but there's sometimes it gets with some couples where it just feels that it's just really hard to love. And people are trying, and people are struggling. And you need to recognize that actually... As a disciple of Jesus, this is a key part of your discipleship. How you love one another as husband and wife, it's a key part of your discipleship. How you live your life for Jesus. And what I would love to just encourage you to do this morning, because I've seen it, I've seen it with my own eyes, as people who have been trying, they've been trying really hard and it just hasn't been working. It's not as if we don't say, right, well, don't try anymore. But when we encourage people to invite the help of the Holy Spirit, and we actually get couples to sit and pray together and to invite the help. It's like the beginning of a breakthrough moment because they've asked the help of the one person who's the most significant person in their life to actually help them, the Holy Spirit, the helper. And so today I just want to say this, and I almost want to speak prophetically. And today if you're in the room and you just feel that it just almost feels like the love is gone, it feels like it's just fading, I just want to say that there's life still for your love. And I want to say that today if you would just I would really love to encourage you as a couple, if this is a struggle for I'd love to encourage you to just pray and invite and ask the help of the Holy Spirit. I've seen this. I've seen it in people's lives. And invite the help of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that you don't have a responsibility. You still got to try and you still got to make decisions and choices. But when you begin to in, invite and ask and depend on the help of the Holy Spirit, this will bring life to your relationship and in all of these ways. And so this is part of the promise, love, joy, peace, patience. Uh-oh, there's one for us. So whether you're a married couple or not, patience. Anyone else feel like sometimes their patience can be short? I'll try to put my hand up a bit here, yes. Um, I, it happens with all of us, apart from my wife. She's so perfect. And uh, <laughs> such, she's such an angel. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know those moments, don't you? Like, so I, it can happen at different, like so when we're tired and there's different moments of life when there's just difficulties. Do you know the way sometimes you can actually feel the emotion of something starting to rise within you? Like, you know when you're on the edge of a shouting moment, right? And, and if, it's not, if it's not brought in check, this is the thing we need to recognize. If it's not brought into check, what can so easily happen is that things come out, anger can spill out in, in an unhealthy way and overspill and there's words said that just damage a relationship. There's things said in the moment that just takes ages to almost try to restore. And you know what it is, like parents with children, 
sometimes when you're really tired in those moments. I actually find, this is one of the things I wanted to say, I actually find in moments like this, this one particularly for me, I find that this is the time when my prayers get really specific and really direct and really intentional. I know that when we chatted in prayer and worship, we're saying it's so crucial that we have our, our time of the Lord, your daily discipline of just getting your space in your own time with God. But you know what? As you go through the day, there's just different things that start to come up in your life. <laughs> different things that start to raise their, their head and you start to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit that actually, ah, oh, this isn't quite right. And this is one of the moments for me. So even sometimes I find this and I'm holding my hands up. I do not always get this right, Laurel. Laura will agree with this. I don't always get it right, but even I find sometimes, even like with the kids, where like you can feel like, a, oh, like you can feel stuff starting to rise. These are the moments, these are the moments that you need to be starting to just pray in those moments, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Those are the moments when it actually becomes real. This is when it becomes, this is what it means to live your life for Jesus, because it's not just okay to say, well, that's just who I am. If you're a believer here this morning, you have been born again. You are a new person. There is a new you, and the new us is that we want to live our lives for Jesus. And so when you feel those moments, it's actually, this is how we live our life for Christ. And so my, my, my encouragement to you today would just simply be this. When you start to feel that, come over, just quickly, quickly get praying and ask, Holy Spirit, will you help me? Again, I said, I don't always get it right, but the times when I do, I just, I sense the peace and the calm of the Spirit come over me at those moments. So I just love to encourage you, this is what it means to live our lives for Jesus. This is what it really means to follow Jesus in all of life. Some of these things, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Listen, you can either be, do it in your own strength and just simply be good living, or you can be spirit living and spirit alive, and people who are just fully given to Jesus. And so when it comes to your areas of weakness, listen, Phil always says this, as every face differs, every circumstance differs, there's many weaknesses in your life. There's certain addictions in the room this morning, and we just want to speak into that. If you're trying it in your own strength, you might overcome it, but it might make you just feel a sense of worth in yourself because it almost comes across like good living in a sense, but actually invite the help of the Holy Spirit today. He is the helper, because you know what? This is what it means, true disciples of cause. You might be looking at other people and you might be thinking to yourself, Dave, that all sounds really good, but why would I have to do it? Because not everyone else does that. I know many other Christians that don't do that. Why? Like, that just sounds really extreme. That's just, like, we've, all, we've all got stuff in our lives. That sounds extreme. I'm okay with that. True discipleship costs. Paul actually says this. This is the verse that he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. True discipleship costs. And the reality is when we live into this cost, we cannot do it on our own strength. This is what we want to, this is the main thing we're saying this morning. We need the help of God. But when we live into this cost, this is when the world gets to experience the real Jesus alive in you. When we're living out our lives fully for Jesus under the help of the Holy Spirit, the world gets to experience the ministry and the life of Jesus through you. This was always the heart desire of Jesus for his church. And the reality is sometimes the world don't see it. I love this quote by Brennan Manning. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Let me read that again. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. 
Because people look, people look at you. And when people look at you, they're judging Christ by you. When people look at me, they're judging Christ by me because I'm the one that calls myself one of his followers. So when the world look at the church, this is what they see. So Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lips. It's really easy. It's really easy to say, oh, Jesus, I love you. It's a different thing to live it out. I had this word on the screen. You see, this is what it means to live radically for Jesus. Sometimes we hate that word because we've heard of it in different contexts where it's just caused terror and evil and destruction in the world. But you know what? If the church would be radical for Jesus, it means that you're radical with grace. You're radical with mercy. You're radical with love. You're radical with creativity. You're radical in your generosity. It's like, thank you so much for what you gave last week. You're radical in hospitality. You're radical in compassion and justice. You're radical being engaged in the mission of Christ. This is what it means for us that we would be those who count the cost. And what we actually see is that in the stories of it in the early church, Steve, do you and the guys want to come? In the early church, we actually see this with the apostles and the early church, people who were radical and actually living out so that people could see the real Jesus in their lives. What does the book of Acts tell us? It says that, People were, being number, people were being added to their numbers daily, those that were being saved, because people looked and they saw the real thing. They saw the real Jesus, and people wanted it for themselves and people's lives. We actually see this around the world, even in the persecuted church. So today, every month, 105 churches are attacked, burned, or vandalized each month in the top 50 countries. Every day, 11 Christians are killed for their faith in the top 50 persecuted countries in the world. But yet, these are the places where the church is growing most rapidly. These are the church places where the church seems most alive because people are living radically for Jesus. I'm not saying that we've got to just live for persecution, but it's that we can look and we can learn. This is what it means Guys, it's much more than just simply saying, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. It's a daily discipline of Jesus. I want to follow you with all of my life. I want to be radical for you. But it's recognizing, Holy Spirit, I need your help. And today I just want to simply just finish with this. We're going to sing a song just to worship. I would love us just to take a moment just to reflect on this personally. Because there's different, there's different issues in people's lives in the room this morning. There's different areas of struggle. I want to say this as well. We have a prayer ministry team down at the back. If, if there's anything today you want prayer for specifically at the end, we'd love to pray. If there's anything you feel that there's an ongoing journey beyond this, we'd love to journey with you in different ways pastorally. We have a counseling service as well in the church where there's different things. We would love to commit in that way. But you know what? I would just love today for us to have a moment where whatever's been in your life, because maybe for some of you have never actually done this, I would love us just to invite the help of the Holy Spirit. So why don't you stand to your feet this morning, can we? Just as we close. What I would love you to do, could you close your eyes for me just one second? And I would love you to take a moment and, and allow the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the significance of even what I was saying earlier. It's not just about living for a weekly fix, but it's, it's a daily discipline of even what we're about to do, of examining your life before the Lord. The Bible says this in the Psalms, Search me, O God. Know me. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in your ways. So this is, this is, a, this is a significant 
discipline and practice of actually daily doing this, even at the end of a day or beginning of a day, where it's just examining, God, would you search me? Is there anything, God, you're just, you need me to change? Daily as you feel, even the conviction of the Holy Spirit and certain things, it's be sensitive to it and follow it. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit because he's the one that will help us and lead us into the fullness of life. And so right now, what I would love us to do, just for one minute, and then I'm just going to close in prayer, and then we'll worship. I just love you and ask the Holy Spirit, what is the area of weakness, or maybe one or two or three weaknesses, whatever it is. And today, I would just love you on your own to just ask, even into yourself, ask and invite the help of the helper. Because this is the promise of God to you today. Ask and invite the help of the helper. So just take a moment on your own just to do this with the Lord. this often but thank you for so loving us God that you give us your son Jesus thank you for so loving us that you endured the cross and you paid the price for our sin Jesus thank you Father thank you for your love both of you together that you give us the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit thank you that you are alive in us thank you that you are a helper Jesus thank you for the words you spoke greater is he that is in you than he is in the world Thank you, God, that this is the truth of your word today. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God, even as we face many difficulties and moments, God, each day as we engage God in our lives, we just recognize that greater is he that is in us. And so, Holy Spirit, we just recognize and we give you a place and we ask, would you help us? We present these areas of weakness before you. God, as a people, we want to live for you. As a people, we want to follow you. And God, we recognize that we've tried many times before, God, and we've never got it right, God, on our own strength times that we have, God, even God, we just want to just humble ourselves and say, God, we just recognize you in it. We acknowledge you in it, but we just ask right now, God, into these areas of weakness as we present them. Father, would you turn them into areas of strength? Holy Spirit, by your help, would you breathe life into dry bones? God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that would stand up strong and boldly for you, Jesus, that we would be radical in our faith for you, Jesus, because of our love and our devotion for you. And Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you fan into flame every day the passion for the name of King Jesus every single day? And Holy Spirit, would you fall on us afresh? Would you give us ears to hear what you're saying to us? We recognize and give you a rightful place that you're our helper. You're the one who journeys with us every day. And so God, help us to be sensitive to your direction this week. Holy Spirit, would you help us just to be bold in those moments when we need you? And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, release more of the fruit upon us. Release more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more gentleness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more self-control. God, may it be released in abundance among us. Help us this week, Jesus. We commit ourselves to you afresh. We say we love you. We give our lives to you. Be glorified on us. May the people, may the world see you in us, your church this week, Father, we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's, let's worship King Jesus as we finish. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website 
at emmanuel-church.co.uk.